Winter is coming. It's such an honor to be a coach in the Ivy League. This is such a well-coached league. Such great, talented individuals in this league. I mean, we're just excited to stay on our journey. But before we dive head first into hoops and other sports during cold weather, we continue to keep tabs on the fall and some really impressive action around the league. Laura Beekis firing and she scores. What a shot by Beekis. Saying is going to connect for a touchdown. BC Owens, who had the hot hand on this drive, hits the pay dirt. Women's soccer continues to shine among the brightest stars, Brown's senior standout. This is the great Brittany Rafino. Cuts it to her right foot in the box towards the far post and scores! We want to make it to the Sweet 16 in the tournament, in the NTA tournament. We want to keep going as far as we can. We always have another goal we want to reach, and that keeps kind of the fire going in us. I'm Brian Seltzer, and this is Ivy Insights from the Ivy League, with new episodes dropping every two weeks from now until the end of the 2023-24 season. Episode 3, Jobs Not Finished. Hey there. Welcome back. Love this time of year. You know, fall foliage is your thing. I would say there's arguably no better time than the present to make the rounds on the Ivy League circuit and check out some of the different campuses. More than that, of course, we've got some really good races taking shape, especially in field hockey. We're going to get to that in a little bit. No doubt, women's soccer has been one of the biggest headlines of the fall for the Ivy League. At the time we went to publish, four teams from the conference were in the top 30 in RPI in the whole country, with Brown leading the way at number seven. Over the last four seasons, Brown has done a lot of leading, winning the last three Ivy League titles. If you follow the league, you know. If you haven't, you should. Senior forward Brittany Rufino has just been off the charts. She's been as big a part of the Brown Bears resurgence as anyone under head coach Kia McNeil. Brittany's college career might be winding down, but you've got to believe huge things are in store for her. A few days ago, Brittany and I chatted about soccer, identity, and of course, Brown's winning streak. Brittany, is the first rule of a 26-match unbeaten streak that you don't talk about the 26-match unbeaten streak? That's funny. Um, We definitely uh, talk about it. You know, it's a huge feat. So we want to, you know, give ourselves our flowers and like commend our previous teams and the effort and hard work has gone into keeping that streak going. And also it's deserve as a reminder that like we've done it before and we can continue to do it again, but we just got to do more. Kia has kind of um, had the slogan for us this year that champions do more. So we know how much it ta- how it takes to get to that level and to succeed at this level. So in order to do that, we have to do more on the field, off the pitch, in the film room, and things like that. I got to be honest with you. That's really refreshing to hear. So often you hear about if there's like milestones being chased in sports, people are superstitious. They want to shy away from it. I think that speaks to confidence. Would you guys say that you're a confident group? We definitely are. We work hard in training. We put the effort in, the work in, and So we know if we have all those pieces, then there's nothing really to worry about. It's just executing on game day. Another motto associated with you guys that stuck out to me was this past weekend, after you guys clinched a spot in the Ivy League soccer tournament, 
the slogan that was on the Instagram graphic, jobs not finished. Take me inside that. What was that referring to? We've made a lot of history as a team already, and we're just, we're hungry. Our slogan for, you know, the next, hopefully winning a four P is what we want more, give, give me four. So we're, we're hungry. We're still looking. We know, even though we've been five and zero already in the Ivy league and that's a tremendous feat. Like we want more. We want to go undefeated regular season, have the top seed, host a tournament and bring home another win. I think this is almost something that people, regardless of what they do in life or what they're pursuing, this is something they can think about and try to learn lessons from. When you clearly have been at the top for a sustained period of time and you've proven that not just you individually, but your collective team is exceptional at what it does. How do you keep that fire going? How do you stay hungry, as you put it? We're just never, we never are satisfied. You know, there's, like I said, we still have so much history to go. We want to make it to the Sweet 16 to the tournament in the, um, in the NTA tournament. We want to keep going as far as we can. So we just, we always have another goal we want to reach, and that keeps kind of the fire going in us. Was there anything for you personally in your life when you look back over time, whether it was in sports, something else, in your family, that kind of lit that competitive fire for you that put you in a mindset to not be satisfied to keep going? Yeah, my dad growing up always taught me to not look at like accolades and stuff like that and just be in competition with yourself. So every season, I want to just be better than I was the previous one, whether that's on the field, scoring goals, working on my touches, my passes, being a better teammate, better leader, things like that. So yeah, it's just always improving day by day. Was the dynamic with dad always easy? Is it something that's changed or you've gained more appreciation for over time now that you're older and look back on it? <laughs> Definitely gained more appreciation. He's been, he's always ended up being a soccer coach on my team, like official coach since I was three. So the first team I've been on through travel team, ECNL, he's always been kind of there. And it's always been helpful to have a familiar face on the sideline and someone I can talk through the game with a little more comfortably, you know, not just like a with the coach. But yeah, he's my biggest support and he's been with me from the beginning and he comes to every single game, which I love. My whole family does. And so yeah, I love that dynamic. The more Brittany talked about her journey with soccer, the more it became clear that relationships are at the root of her love for the sport. Whether it's her father, Lubins, her coach at Brown, Kia McNeil, or her teammates, Brittany, at key junctures of her career, can pinpoint her success to the bond she built with other people. My dad actually, um, he's from Haiti and he played over there. And then when he came over, it was kind of his life. You know, he played in high school and he wanted to play pro, but with injuries, he couldn't. So I knew growing up that I, that's something I love and I want to carry on for him. It's kind of been our little thing our, with our relationship. You know, he's always, we always to go out to the field, do extra touches, get extra shooting in. And so I knew I wanted to use this as a tool to just go to college, play somewhere successful, increase my like, academics and stuff like that. Then I just fell in love with it. And now I want to go play pro, hopefully rep the national team and just see how far I can go with this. That's a dynamic between a uh, child and parent in sports that especially these days, you hear about the opposite side of it, how the parent-child dynamic can sometimes cause a strain, stress, pressure, all that stuff. I mean, if you had to give advice to people out there about how to preserve that very delicate dynamic, I mean, what do you think's one of the secrets been for you and your dad? First of all, just knowing what your own dream is. I had to find not just 
find his passion and then continue with through also finding my own inside me and know that I want this too. And also just have a good balance. Like he was my soccer coach, but he's also my dad. And like I cherish the moments when we used to go to Pennsylvania seven hours away and those long car rides and just hanging out with him and laughing with him and talking about the game and just enjoying every moment of the journey. When did Brown come into the picture? So I actually Lucia when she was at Northeastern my freshman year and I just loved talking to her and then when she made the switch soon after meeting her to Brown I just knew I I was really interested in the school firstly for her and then my sophomore year I came and visited talked with her and the coaching staff and just fell in love with the campus and the people here. It seems like relationships whether it's with your dad or your coach that's a recurring theme that it seems like is playing out as part of your career. Being successful hasn't always just been because of what I do in the field or like putting the practices and putting in the time and effort on the ball. It's also been me as a person and developing my character. And I want to make sure I have people around me that support me on and off the field as a full person. And my dad, Kia, the whole team coaching staff, my team here has really given me the grace and space to grow as a person. Kia must have made a pretty significant impression upon you. What was it about her, her personality, her style? Um, I was just really excited to be coached by a woman who looked like me. I've always had white male coaches, and I just felt like I, I could, she could relate to me and help me with things that other coaches couldn't. And she's the way she carries herself, the way she coaches. I just, you can't help but respect her for everything she does. She had a, a also an amazing pro career and. So having somebody I can look up to that looks like me who've been in those spaces and can kind of be a leader and a guidance. So like when I'm now navigating, what am I doing post-grad? She's the first, one, first person I'm going to for advice. And like I said, she's been with me through it all these last five years. And she's always just felt like another person in my corner. Was that something that you always knew you wanted in a coach or a mentor or one of those things where it's like now that you were starting to think about it and you saw an example, that's when you knew. I've always wanted to have some sort of relationship with my coach, not just I see you on the field and that's it. I want to be able to have an open dialogue and she has an open door policy. So I've gone in there and had a conversation with her and just sat there and talked about life or called her when I needed help with anything or just needed some time or space or anything like that. She's very open and honest, and I love that about her. You talked about how much you enjoy your teammates, the camaraderie on this team. What are some of the things away from soccer that you guys do together that you just really get a kick out of and enjoy? We're all just best friends, really. I can go to the dining hall and see anybody on my team and sit down and have lunch with them. Um, we have little traditions that we do. Like during Ivy play, we have something called Secret Sisters where we pull a random name, have a hat, before every high home Ivy game, we leave a little treat and a little encouraging note in their locker. Um, and we find the last home game who you've had this whole entire season. Things like that just bring you closer and make you see, see make you feel seen and appreciated for sure. Brittany grew up about a half hour south of Boston. She was an All-American in high school. Before she got to Brown, the program bounced around between the middle of the pack and bottom of the Ivy League standings for about two and a half decades. But Brittany's first year on campus, she got immediate results. She was named the Ivy League Rookie of the Year, and Brown clinched its first Ivy title since 1994. Her true second season was wiped out by the pandemic, but in 2021, Brittany and Brown were back. They won the Ivy League again 
and she was named Ivy League Offensive Player of the Year. Last year, 2022, Brittany, Ivy League Offensive Player of the Year Award winner again, and Brown, its third consecutive Ivy League crown. Brown hadn't experienced success like this since the 1980s. I asked Brittany how the feel around the team has changed from when she first visited campus as a recruit to where it is now as Brown sits on the cusp of what would be a very impressive fourth Ivy League title in a row. When I first visited, I just saw really the vision that the coaching staff had. You know, we were on the, the rise once they came. I think the year before me, they placed third in the Ivy League and they had some a big win against Princeton. So I knew like with my class coming in, we could bring some some fire, some more fuel, and some more energy to the team. And with all that combined, we were able to win our first championship in 2019. Did you see it happening that fast? I mean, come on. I mean, that seemed like it was a pretty immediate impact. No, no. It was, I think it was the, we played Texas A&M my freshman year. And we tied them. And I remember after the game, we were looking at each other and we're like, something special can happen here. And that's when I first started to realize that we could have a really good shot at the I win the Ivy League. And then with every game, we just gained more and more confidence and just led us to winning that first ring. It's funny because now, like, this is old hat for Brown soccer, defending, being at the top. But that second season, when you were a sophomore, after you guys won your freshman year, were there any thoughts like imposter syndrome? Like, hey, are we supposed to be here? Did you feel any of that? If so, how did you deal with it? Um... Not exactly, because I know we, we earned and we put a lot of hard work into those big wins. We don't really think of it as pressure to keep succeeding. It's just doing what we know we can do on the field, and then the results will come with the hard work. Do you think your success could have happened anywhere other than at Brown? I think about that a lot, actually. Um, and I don't, I, I think, of course, I think I'd be successful, but to this extent, I'm not too sure because. Like I said, my relationships on the team and with the coaching staff has allowed me to grow as a person. And without that growth, I wouldn't be the soccer player I am today. You don't have to listen to this interview too hard to tell that self-motivation is not a problem for Brittany Rufino. But if we're being real and you looked at her resume, after three Ivy League championships in her first three years, back-to-back conference offensive player of the year awards, her last two seasons... I think it'd be fair to ask the question, what else does Brittany have to prove at this level? She's already put together a resume that will have her go down as one of the best players ever in Ivy League history. This past winter, she had a chance to show what she's got on a whole different level with the under-23 U.S. women's national team. I think it was about February. I was taking the semester off from um, the team so I could come so I could do my fifth year here again. And I was going to do my regular lift by myself and Kia gave me a call and told me the news. And I just remember I was, I could not stop smiling. And like, I, I called my dad and I had tears in my eyes because it's something we've always dreamed of. And it just, it was so exciting to finally get that call up and see that all my hard work is being seen. Did you have any inclination that that was coming? No, no, it's a complete shocker, but definitely happy to be surprised. But did you think of it? Was it like maybe if this happens, that happens, there's a spot? Do you ever look at how the roster's shaping up and sing like, well, maybe there could be an opening for me? No, I am a firm believer that things happen for a reason. So I kind of do what I have to do. And I don't really look to see where the potential things can shift. I see how things work out. 
we went to the Portland Thorns um, preseason tournament and we played Oil Rain, the Portland Thorns, and Racing Louisville in Portland. And it was an unbelievable experience. Like I, the first time we went on the main field and it was the lights were on and we saw Portland across the seats and you could just feel the atmosphere. And I, I remember texting my mom and being like, this is where I belong. Like this, this just feels right playing out there with those girls, I could keep up with them. And I know I, I could really have a shot at this pro career and making a stamp in the end of Brazil or wherever I end up. How are you a different player coming out of that experience with the national team coming into this final go-round with Brown? Definitely more confident. I learned what it takes to play at that level, the speed of play, the movement of the ball, just the worth ethic in general. So I... I'm trying to bring that back to my game now and just trying to still play at that top level. Like I'm playing against these top pro teams um, just at this level. It's funny. When I was reading through articles in the Brown Daily Herald, they refer to your graduating year as 23 and a half instead of 23 or 24. Was it a slam dunk for you always to come back for this last season? Yes, it was. uh, It was actually my junior year when we lost to St. John's in the first round of the tournament. The first thing I said to Kia, like, I'm not done. I'm coming back. And there's more things that we need to do. I, I need more time here. There was no doubt in my mind that I was going to come back here. So when you're done at the end of this semester, then what? What happens then? I'm trying to play pro. I'm not sure where yet, whether I enter the draft or maybe go abroad for a year or two. I'm just waiting for after the season to see what opportunities lie and just trying to focus on the season now and setting myself up for so I can have as many options as possible. When we taped this interview, Brown had two games left in the regular season, a game on the road coming up against Cornell, and then the season finale the final weekend of October against Dartmouth. By that point, Brown's unbeaten streak in conference play could very well be at 28, but as part of a plot twist this year, it won't be straight off to the NCAAs for Brittany and Brown or whoever it is that wins the Ivy League. That's because this year, there's a conference tournament with the top four teams in the league. It's a new challenge, one that Brittany's not backing away from, especially given how good the competition has been in the Ivy League this year. Different, but exciting. Without the tournament, every Ivy game has been just crucial, and you basically have to go undefeated to win the tournament. And we've been able to do that the last couple of years, but with the level of the Ivy League rising across the board, that's harder and harder. Each game is scrappy. Like last week, everyone tied, and we were the one who pulled out the win, which says a lot about the competitiveness of our league. So having the tournament gives gives people a little more breathing room. You can have a loss, but still have a chance at winning the tournament. You do have this perspective now where you can look at your experience with the national team and you can see how elite the competition is there. And then, like you just mentioned, across the board in the conference, a really, really deep conference. Just how good is the Ivy League? Uh, I think it's so underrated. When I went to the the camp, no one really knew anything about the Ivy League. I was getting a lot of questions about Brown. And I'm just so proud of the whole Ivy League this season. We were, I think, third or fourth overall conference and um, non-conference records, which says a lot about the talent um, that can come out of this league. What do you think your chances are looking ahead as you guys get through this season? Feeling pretty good. You know, hopefully we get the number one spot and having home field advantage. We love playing at home. We love playing for our fans. We call ourselves, we call the Brown Stadium the house of horrors. 
I think we've I've lost maybe one regular season game on my whole career here. We just something about the energy that we get when we look at the stands and we see our whole entire school cheering us on is really different. So hopefully we can host, give us that extra energy and bring home another ring and then make a long run into the tournament. And you know what? With the type of buzz Brittany's generating for herself in Brown, which, oh, by the way, the first Ivy League team to clinch a berth in the Ivy League Conference Tournament, it's only going to help get the word out about Ivy League women's soccer and how terrific it's been in 2023. We're heading into the home stretch of the fall season. Time now to check in and see how some of the races are shaping up. Let's start with field hockey. It was a thriller in the Empire State. Everyone on the edge of their seats here from Marsha Dotson Field. What a save with the splits. Now in. Oh, man. Cornell finishes it at the horn. Grace Leahy slamming it towards the bottom left-hand corner. And Cornell upsets number 13 Syracuse in grand fashion. The showdown of Central New York in field hockey going to the Cornell Big Red in double overtime. Not only was it a matchup of interstate rivals between Cornell and Syracuse, Syracuse wasn't the only ranked team. So too was Cornell. And they also were able to exact some revenge on Syracuse after Syracuse beat Cornell in the Big Red season opener. Cornell has now won five games in a row. They also knocked off Penn on Friday by the score of two to nothing. That five game winning streak is tied for the longest in the conference with the Harvard Crimson. Harvard Crimson, nationally ranked as well. They're up to number 11. They blanked the Princeton Tigers for zip last week. Harvard remains the lone unbeaten in Ivy League play at 5-0. Cornell is right behind them at 4-1. So Harvard, Cornell, and Penn, they've already clinched their spots in the end-of-season Ivy League field hockey tournament. But it is also hard not to keep an eye on that date, October 28th, when Harvard and Cornell are set to go at it in Ithaca in the regular season finales for both teams. To football. You want more drama? All right. Have at it. Good snap. The hold is down. Kick is blocked. The Bears blocked the point after attempt, and that could be huge. Caleb Moorhead. Unbelievable. That could be a game-winning play. Okay. Hold on to that thought. Princeton had just taken the lead 27-21 before Moorhead came up with that monstrous block of the point after attempt. Then it was Brown's turn to answer. First and goal to go from the four. Snap to Wilcox. He wants to pass. Looking to the back corner of the end zone. Caught! Touchdown, Graham Walker! That touchdown tied it at 27 apiece. Brown then had a chance at the decisive extra point. The snap to hold this down. The kick is up and the kick is good! Brown, I think a really fun team to watch this season. They pick up their first Ivy League win. So did Penn on the road at Columbia, coming back against the Lions to win 20-17. Brown and Penn now two of the six one-on-one teams in Ivy League play. And how about this for parity? Of the eight Ivy League conference games played so far, seven have been decided by a possession. It'll be Ivy League play the rest of the way for all teams in the conference moving forward. should also mention Harvard continues to play great. They're one of two unbeaten teams left in the FCS with a record of 5-0. They beat Howard last weekend 48-7. 
Lastly, we wrap up with hoops. Yes, you heard correct. Hoops, as in basketball. It is almost that time we had some preseason Ivy League media poll action this past week. Princeton chosen to six-peat on the women's side. They were the unanimous selection for first place. On the men's side, Yale tabbed for the first place spot. Penn women's basketball head coach Mike McLaughlin has been around a while. He knows the league can hold its own. I want this league to be great. These are special young ladies. These are great student athletes that are tremendous players, and they're playing, in my opinion, the one of the best leagues in the country for all the right reasons. And uh, I cherish this league. I celebrate the league. There's no doubt when we compete, we want to beat each other, but I want this league to be successful from this year on to next year and many years to come. Penn women picked to finish fourth in the Ivy League in the preseason media poll. To see the full polls and other coverage from Media Day for Ivy League men's and women's basketball, check out ivyleague.com. And that'll do it. We'll be back in two weeks. Look ahead to fall tournament season plus. We'll preview some more winter sports. Ivy Insights is a production of the Ivy League. Our executive producer and master of information, the Ivy League's associate executive director, strategic communications and external relations, Matt Panto. Special thanks to Brown Communications and Brittany Rafino. Be sure to stay on top of all things happening in the Ivy League with the Ivy Insights newsletter. Just go to ivyleague.com and sign up for free. And especially because this podcast is brand new, please do give us a follow or subscribe and consider leaving a rating. It helps a lot and we'd really appreciate it. Again, next episode comes out in two weeks. I'm Brian Seltzer. We'll talk to you then.